the way women truly use their money is impact. There are more women who want to start nonprofits than for profits. Like if a woman has money, first of all, she will take care of her family. She will take care of her community. She will take care of, she will nurture and take care. She will want to raise other people up. So whether it's the statistics about starting nonprofits, I've done work in shelters here with women in downtown. And these women all said, I want to start a nonprofit when I'm back on my feet. And I think it's so noble and beautiful. And I said, that's great, but I would really encourage you to start a business instead. Mm -hmm. Start with that because that's how women think and that's how women act. And so the way we use our money has impact. Welcome to How Women Inspire, where women lead, invest, and give. I'm your host, Julie Castro Abrams, founder and CEO of How Women Lead and managing partner of the venture firm How Women Invest, feminist, social justice warrior, mother, friend of 50,000 plus badass women, and an expert at helping top executive women get on boards and break down barriers for women entrepreneurs, investors, and social impact activists. In this podcast, we interview women influencers and leaders from across the globe who are in the C-suite, founding companies, investing, and agents of change. We'll share stories of how women lead. We'll provide insights and data, tips you can put into action, and get to know the women who have fiercely and unabashedly stepped into their power in leadership and open doors for other women like you. We discuss topics ranging from the journey of getting a board seat, how we can counter cultural frameworks that change the way the world views women leaders, what we're doing to close the gender funding gap, and driving equity for women in all aspects of life and career. My goal is that after every episode, you walk away feeling inspired, unstoppable, ready to level up and step into your power and influence. I want to break down the cultural narratives that hold us back collectively and those messy messages you heard that are taking up way too much of your brain space. I want you to know you're invited in because I know that together we can change the culture, change opportunities, and create the future we want for our daughters and sisters and friends. This is our time. Are you in? Welcome to How Women Inspire. Today's guest is Adapia Dorico, a visionary pioneer with over 20 years of experience in the financial industry. And boy, are we lucky that she's committed herself here. She started her career in banking, insurance, hedge funds, private equity, real estate, angel investing, venture capital, and digital assets. Like what part of financial services have you not been involved in? As a fintech entrepreneur herself, Adapia played a pivotal role in bringing real estate crowdfunding and online capital raising into the mainstream. We we all feel like it's always been there at this point, but you were one of the architects. Adipi is also the co-founder of Women of Wealth. This is a nonprofit. It's dedicated to empowering women to become stewards of their personal and global wealth and a general partner of Bitcoin Mining Women, a digital asset syndication platform. She is such a highly regarded and respected investor and an advisor and entrepreneur and her books and public talks about personal transformation and leadership have really impacted millions of people globally. 
And if he is a fierce advocate for women to invest, to make an impact and become stewards of personal and global wealth. And I've seen her in action. She's the real deal. And it's such an honor to get to spend time with you today, Adipia. Oh, thank you, Julie. It's my honor. It's, I'm so excited to be on your podcast. Yeah, I feel like everybody needs some Adapia in there every <laughs> single day. And so thank God there's some great resources out there because you really demystify it. You make it feel safe. And you make it feel kind of exciting, frankly. But before we dive into all of your wisdom, which I can't wait to really excavate, can you tell us a little bit about a little personal sort of what do you have a theme song or a song that sort of lifts you up in the days that are tough or that you use to, for celebration? Yeah, I generally go to like a, a type of music. So I like depending on my mood, I will go into like 70s rock or 90s hip hop or some like good old deep, dirty house, I must say, like it depends on my mood or like what I'm looking to like, do with my body and move the energy so that I can, I can really like make the kind of impact that I want to make. Excellent. All right. Well, so it sounds like today we just need to really sort of get in the mood of celebration and joy, frankly, which so many of us don't think about when we think about money and our relationship to money. But I feel like you really have had a transformational story yourself. I'd love to actually hear about that story. How did this come to being? Adipia, why are you so passionate about this? Thank you. Yeah, it's funny because I've, like we said, like I've had this career in finance and entrepreneurship and fintech for a really long time. And then I hit this inflection point a couple of years ago where I realized that I wasn't telling any of my girlfriends what I did for a living. And having been through quite a few years of this personal transformation, really finding who I am and trying to be more authentic and because we have to put on this business suit emotionally, psychologically as women. And so I never merged these two worlds. And I felt like there was a disconnect. And here I am trying to say, hey, like I'm reconnecting to my more spiritual side and I'm all authentic, but I really won't tell you what I do for a living because there was some kind of fear that I would be judged because mm -hmm. I worked in this money industry and private equity and, and I didn't tell anyone. And it was almost like something just smacked me one day. And, and I realized like, I'm not authentic at all if I can't talk about this work that I do that I find really interesting and that I'm passionate about. And so it was with a bit of trepidation that to these friends that knew me more personally or spiritually that I said, I can't remember how I brought it up, but like, this is what I do for a living. And they all leaned in and yeah. they thought it was so amazing. And they, they said, you know, all of this, you do all of this. I want to learn more. Mm -hmm. And that was the light bulb moment where I realized that if I'm not talking about this and about how passionate I am about it and how my knowledge and my skill set helped me navigate highs and lows financially, because we all have them, like, you know, you get laid sure. off or whatever happens. But my understanding of this allowed me to navigate that better than most, I would say, because the financial education and literacy and all of that's really important. And so that was that light bulb of, I need to talk about this more. And maybe there are other women who want to talk about it too. And that's how I founded Women of Wealth. And through that path is also how I found you. Yeah. So one, thank you because, you know, you and I are together on this mission to get a conversation started. I mean, there's a reason why you felt that way. Because basically, you know, they said, don't talk about money or politics or religion when you go to a party, right? But it's this concept that somehow money is the source of all evil, all these stupid messages we all have heard. And it's just a tool. It's an instrument. And so how do you help people think about 
shifting their own relationship to money because you have a beautiful way of framing it. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I think for me, it's like a few things because I realized that it, oh, money is bad and all of that, but it's also not. There's so many good people in the money industry, if you will. There's so many good people doing good things. So that was like number one, like proof. Like that is simply not true. I'm not bad because I have it or want it. And then I really had to look at these historical and media-driven narratives around women and money and just just debunk them internally for myself and then debunking them by having conversations. I found that the most important piece of this for women is the community. It's speaking to other women about it and saying, hey, this is my fear, this is my shame, or this is my problem. And somebody else saying, wow, I have that too. Or yeah. I had that and here's how I overcame it. So it's really about sharing and being really open and not being afraid of whether it's the narratives or being afraid of not knowing. That's a big thing for women. Oh, I don't know. It feels overwhelming. I'm not sure if I know how to invest. And and, and then that's coupled with this idea that if they have questions and they don't know that that somehow makes them lesser than because they don't know. And yet our questions, the way women ask questions is everything. If you know how to ask the right question, you know how to get the right information. And so here we all are as women saying, I don't know, I have all these questions. Good. Ask your questions. Like that's how you get to the other side. And then the last thing was to me being in this world is money, influence, and power go together. And so if we don't play the game that we are in, we're going to get played. That's the big one right there. That's like the mic drop moment. Like to me, everybody, I hope you really leaned in and heard this. If you have things you care about, injustice or other things about women having equal access, if we don't get over this and start to talk about the power and influence that come with wealth and having financial resources and stop with this sort of old attitude of somehow, you know, if we are care about money, that that means that we're not a good person. Every single person you meet cares about money. You have to, because you got to pay your bills. You, you know, you're showing up in the world, you need to pay for breakfast or whatever it is, right? So really helping women make that pivot fully and wholeheartedly to understand it as a tool is just so critical. So, but you talk about women making an impact and investing and, and where's the intersection of impacting and investing? Like it doesn't always seem like that makes sense to people. What does that mean to you? Yeah, I think it doesn't because of how it's traditionally been presented, but the way women use their money truly use their money is impact. There are more women who want to start nonprofits than for profits. Like if a woman has money, First of all, she will take care of her family. She will take care of her community. She will take care of, she will nurture and take care. She will want to raise other people up. So whether it's, you know, the statistics about starting nonprofits, I've done work in shelters here with, with women in downtown. And these women all said, I want to start a nonprofit when I'm back on my feet. And I think it's so noble and beautiful. And I said, that's great, but I would really encourage you to start a business. Instead, Mm -hmm. start with that. And because that's how women think and that's how women act. And so the way we use our money has impact. It -hmm. has impact in the way we invest. I think you've done studies and there's so many studies that women invest based on their values. That's impact. And so that to me is that intersection. And the way we use our money can make a huge difference. And so if we can shift money into more women's hands, everything changes. Everything changes. 
Yeah. Thank you so much for laying that out so clearly, because if you really think about the things that you care about, the more financial capacity you have, the more wealth you have, the more impact you can have on those things that are important to you. But you talk quite a bit about personal and global wealth. Can Mm -hmm. you connect those two to me? Because I don't always connect them. Sure. The way I think about it is it's a spectrum. It's taking care of myself. So that's number one, right? I mean, one of women's, a woman's most pressing needs, if you ask her financially, is do I have an emergency fund? Do I have enough? Um, so again, it goes into that safety. And then personal wealth. I mean, we have this $30 trillion transfer that's underway. Women are inheriting this wealth. And that's personal wealth. Even though a woman might not think of it, it's mine, but I think of it as personal as in my family nucleus. And then global wealth because of that money influence power. So if more women are wealthy and are investing and have a good financial foundation, then they're going to be empowered to do other things. And those other things are for the community or for society and are for global, like more women in positions of power that have a bigger influence on the financial system and wealth globally. When you just said a couple interesting things, you said there's a massive transfer of wealth happening, people who are inheriting wealth. And on top of the fact that women have, this is the largest and first generation of women who got, you know, we're now, you know, how you work in your 20s and 30s and, and then in your early 40s, especially once you send your kids off to college and you're done paying for that. Well, I'm talking about my own life here. Let's just be clear. <laughs> All of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, I don't have to pay the college bill or the violin lessons, right? I actually finally, so in your 40, late 40s and early 50s and 50s, that's when you think of the prime earning years, but that's also asset accumulation time. So I think that's a lot of the people who are listening to this. So those women who now are earning their own money and have a decent amount of a foundation, and then you inherit some more money. Like you said, I think a lot of us go to, well, let me just, donate it. But there that is not the only, obviously, that's not the only strategy. And you're going to get a lot of advice from financial advisors. What are the different ways then, let's say you're one of these women and you've got a chunk of resources and you're trying to figure out how can I be great stewards of this? So it's not like I donated all today and a couple, you know, and a year from now, I've got, I got enough for myself, but not anything else. Like where, how do people think about structuring that in a way where every step of the way you're aligning with your values? Yeah. Wow. That's a great question. So I think that, you know, to your point, like a donation strategy, a philanthropic strategy has a place. I mean, it's got great tax advantages, you know, we like all of that kind of stuff. The way that I think about it and, and the way that I've done it a little bit for myself in my own small way is I invested it into things that I believed in. And so I've been in the real estate space for a long time. So I invested a lot in real estate because I understand it. And so I said, here's my foundation that makes me comfortable with what I'm going to do with that money. Because the more I can grow that into a nest egg, and then that is returning capital to me, that provides me cash flow or exits as they come to do other things later. So I thought, okay, how do I set myself up so that I'm creating like a third me, like a third source of cash flow or or what have you. And so that was primary and needs and wants around renovating my home, because that's important to me. It's it's something that, that we do. So then the third part was, okay, once I have this baseline, I feel good about this portfolio. I've I've got my baseline set. How else can I make an impact? I'm really passionate about women and advancing women. So for me, it was very natural to think I want to invest in women and how best to do that than to invest in their businesses. 
And so yeah. to invest in women founders. And so that's how I think about it. I think I'm comfortable with a certain level of risk. And so for me, it was not very hard to think, well, I'm going to put a certain amount of my portfolio in that. And it has a strategic place in terms sure. of returns and, and all of that kind of good stuff. But I thought about it really strategically. But I also went outside the box that I think most advisors would have given me, which mm-hmm. would have been public markets. Okay, so what percentage do you think should be in what people think of private markets, right? The mm-hmm. private equity side of things. Yeah. And real estate's one of them, right? Yep. What percentage, if you were going to, you know, you're not giving advice on this yeah. podcast, but <laughs> I mean, what do you see people doing? What's the range? Yeah. I see what very wealthy people do if you, if when we look at even like a Tiger 21 that, that they publish reports on these are like high, like high net worth, like really high net worth, 10, 20, 30 million and up. So it's, 25% public equities, 25% real estate, 25% private equity. And then the rest is like mixed into different little things. So for me, 50% at a minimum would want to go into a mix of private real estate and private equity. Yeah. So that's venture firms, private equity firms, which are sort of the next step, if you will, in terms of the ladder of supporting corporate growth or companies, investing in companies. So thank you so much. This is extremely interesting and valuable. I mean, I've seen everything from sort of like, and I think it all depends on how much money that you're investing, right? Five to 10%. I was at something with Morgan Stanley recently where I was on a panel and they said 22%. So it seems like maybe it depends on how much money you have. Maybe it's different for everybody. And certainly it's different based on your risk return. But let's talk about you as somebody who is actually investing in venture capital. Mm -hmm. What has your experience been like? I understand that it's a good part of like a balanced portfolio, but tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So when I, at the beginning, I didn't think I could invest in venture capital because I didn't have enough money. And I was, you know, I'd meet startups because I was in the startup space. And so I thought this is, you know, for me, this is really fun. I really want to support people. And so I would, I would do some angel investing and it just, it just didn't work for me in terms of how much I want to give. And to do a proper angel portfolio needs a lot of money and a lot of companies and therefore a lot of time. And I realized pretty quickly that I wouldn't be able to sustain that for myself and have a full-time job. So I thought, okay, well, there's got to be a different way to do this. And then especially on the women founders side. And it was through that, it was through that research that I first, I, I came across Portfolio because I remember meeting Trish Costello back when I was in the beginning of real estate crowdfunding and she was in the beginning of crowdfunding. And so that she was always on my radar. And so it's like, oh, what are they up to? And then I found you through that because to me, I thought, okay, I can't be an angel in the way that I would like to be an angel. So why don't I support women doing what I want to do and participate? And so that has been a phenomenal experience for me because I also know what I don't know, which is a lot. I don't know so much. And so having supporting women who are building portfolios and and have the same values and and outcomes that to me is like a triple win yeah. because I'm supporting founders I'm supporting female GPs I'm passionate about it I'm learning so much because I like to learn all women do every woman investor that I know is not exactly passive yeah she's always yeah. wanting to know how this works and how and so that's exciting and doing that together I think makes it even better because that's the empowering part. It's not just, oh, I put my money here because I could just throw it in an index fund. It's I'm learning something. I'm leveling myself up in the process. And I think a lot of women really appreciate that. 
Well, I think the other thing that I find, and I just think about meeting you, like the gift of being meeting other women that are like-minded or on the journey together with you. We just had a dinner last week with 30 women and you could just, you, you, you couldn't get a word in edgewise. The buzz was so crazy, but it's that sense of like, hey, we are all stepping up into this power and influence. And Arapia, when, when you first started telling people I invest in venture, mm-hmm. did you have a reaction from people about, have you seen anybody sort of, do they lean in and ask you questions? Do they think you're like really fancy? Like, you know, what are the implications for you when you tell people sort of where you're playing or is it not really... I just kind of take it as, well, I invest in venture. Like this is the most exciting thing in the world. And so it gets them excited. There you go. You're so infectious that way. What do you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you ever thought about having your own fund? I mean, you've built so many things. I know I have. I have and I am. And I'm not just thinking about it. I'm currently like actually really like looking into it. And of course, we can't talk about any of that. It's SEC rules and everything. and, And there's nothing set in stone. But at this point, my natural path from angel to LP to, you know, I have a, I, I have a digital asset fund, a Bitcoin fund, which is which is very different. But I'm doing it with women partners. It's like it's a natural step for me to take all of this and do this infectious thing that that you say that I have, and really encourage more women. And that like your new table campaign was one of the things that was again it kind of like hit me a little bit. I thought, look at all these women GPs, they're amazing, and I'm yeah. investing in them. Mm-hmm. But how about I do that for myself and I and I join that party? So yeah. yes. Uh, awesome. Well, I can't wait to see what other things you're cooking up. We're almost out of time. Out of here, but I would just really love, you know, your advice for women when they think about how they can shift their way of thinking about their finances. What is your core message you want them to hear? I want them, I want you to hear that you can do it. You're capable, you're able, you have everything you need to do it. And to me, it's a confidence issue. And so that's easy to fix. Talk to me, talk to Julie, talk to like one of the women in WOW or how women lead. You can do this and there's so many resources for you that there we are rising up. Women are truly rising up into this power and it is a sight to see. And I think the more of us rise, the more we'll join and and together we're, we're going to really shift a tide in the most amazing way. And it might not be next year, but I'm pretty sure within five to 10 years, we're going to say these couple years, 21, 22, 23, something shifted in a really big way. I love that you said that because I'm feeling it. And part of how you know the shift is happening is because of the backlash, right? Some of that pushback that we're getting, it's out of fear that, you know, there's a shift happening. And so just, you know, having perspective and leaning in and and understanding these are actually good market signs, even though it feels challenging. How can people find you out of here? Oh, thank you. I'm really active on LinkedIn. So I'm like a I'm like a uni channel type of a person these days just because of my time. So I really focus on LinkedIn and people can find me, type my name, A-D-A-P-I-A, and I come up. And I'm always happy to connect with people there. And, you know, they can look at women of wealth. That is the mastermind and the community. Uh, but really LinkedIn is is probably the best place to to get to know me. Well, how lucky are all of us that have had a chance to get a little insight from someone who's touched almost every part of financial markets and who is making, you know, you make it feel so so clear, so demystified and so simple for all of us to lean in. And so thank you so much for sharing that perspective. I've loved all my engagement with Women of Wealth. So just, again, I, I just want to acknowledge all the contributions you're making. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Julie. Thank you so much. 
And with that, I want to thank you all for listening to today's episode of How Women Inspire. And because your inspiration should not stop when this podcast ends, head over to our website, howwomenlead.com. Follow us on LinkedIn at How Women Lead and subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast app to find out how you can proactively take charge and step into your power through our workshops and activism in our loving network. We want to propel you. See you next time, ladies. And remember to be unabashedly visible.